Today we're talking with Peachtree Hotel Group CEO, Greg Friedman. Peachtree is one of the most active groups in our industry. They've been very busy post COVID, recently purchasing a pool of distressed hotel notes. Let's find out where Greg's head is today and in the future. Hi, Greg, uh, Greg Friedman, Peachtree Hotel Group. Thanks for joining me today. You're a good friend for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Teague, for having me. So, uh, look forward to having some fun. Uh, it's going to be great. Tell me, tell me some fun. I mean, hell, roll tide. You guys had a good weekend. Yeah, yeah, we did. So it was a uh, it was a great game. I actually went to the game, which unfortunately for Georgia, you know, it didn't end up well for them. But me being a big Alabama fan, it worked out really well. So really, really enjoyed the time there. How was the game? I'm assuming, and what was the what a half capacity or something? How was the atmosphere? Yeah, so it was it was about twenty you know twenty twenty five percent capacity. So it was, you know, it felt a little bit, um, you know, it felt, you know, a little soft from an attendance perspective, you know, perspective with COVID and everything, but still there was a lot of excitement and the area I was sitting in, I was in a box there at the game and it was just great from a standpoint of being there with a lot of friends and stuff and being able to enjoy the game. So it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I, I would think a small crowd might be a little boring, but it's still better than nothing, right? At least you'll get to go. Right. Yeah, it's better than uh, what we were experiencing three, four months ago, where there really wasn't much happening. So. All right. Well, I'm not a Georgia fan, so good luck. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Although I should ask, being an Atlanta sports fan, Georgia Tech, Falcons, and now the Braves, what does it feel right? like to be the fan of a winning program? <laughs> feels great. So it's, uh, it's a great feeling. Unfortunately, I feel like, you know, living here in Atlanta, we're just like cursed. Yeah, all the, You know, we just... Yeah, we just can't – seems like we can never get a break uh, for the different Georgia sports teams. So. I, do, I do not plan to watch the World Series. Do you? I do not either. No. So, yeah. That's uh, fine. I don't think I could have taken the stress of another seven-game series. Right. So, whatever. Uh, all right, let's get into it. So, thanks for coming on. I, I think you're a, a great guest and a great person in our industry because you're involved in so many different aspects. So with Peachtree Hotel Group, you've got sort of the equity fund. You've got Stonehill with the debt fund. Uh, you guys are operators. You're developers. Uh, you see all different aspects. So, you know, from both the equity side and the debt side, on one hand, you're a borrower. Uh, on the other hand, you're a lender. So I think this is great. Um, I know you're working on a distress fund right now. So I think my question might be, well, what are you working on today? What's taking up the majority of your time today? Yeah, it's a great question. So we, you know, we invest up and down the capital stack. So we have the benefit of investing both on the debt side as well as the equity side, as you mentioned, on hotels. Um, we are spending a lot of time, you know, buying, you know, distressed debt on hotels today. So we are buying a lot of, you know, first mortgage loans from different financial institutions that are looking to, you know, exit our industry, just given you know, the challenges related to COVID-19. Um, we are also, you know, focused on trying to buy hotel properties, which it's been, you know, more challenging, which I'm sure, you know, you're dealing with the first hand take, so you probably have an opinion there just on the equity side, trying to buy hotels, uh, just given there's not a lot of, you know, there hasn't been a lot of trades. Um, and, you know, in most cases, just given um, the current situation with COVID, you know, a lot of, it seems like a lot of hotel owners aren't willing to sell at the pricing that they need to sell in order to allow for, you know, trades to occur. And we're also, you know, as a company, we've been working on and we've closed on a couple of these rescue capital or runway capital type transactions where we're injecting capital into different hotel assets to give, 
you know, hotel, you know, hotel owners, the runway to sort of make it, you know, to the other side of this pandemic. And which ones having the most activity today? Yeah. So, you know, for us, you know, we've made over the last, you know, 90 days, um, we've made close to, um, you know, we've made about 30 or so investments in different assets and probably, you know, 90% of what we've done, you know, over the last 90 days have been really focused towards, um, you know, purchasing debt. Um, so we bought, you know, first mortgage loans on, you know, about 27 hotel assets over the last, you know, 90 days or so. And then we've uh, actually we bought, you know, 28 loans, not 27. Um, over the last 90 days, we've also, you know, provided a couple, you know, rescue capital deals that we've closed on and we've bought one asset um, in Pittsburgh. So on the equity side. All right. So let's dive into the debt because one, that's where your volume is. You did 27 there. Uh, and this isn't something that the average person really knows about. So how are you finding the deals? And is it through uh, 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 CMBS guys or through balance sheet lenders? Uh, are they marketed deals and you're just bidding one of many or is it relationship based? How are you getting yeah. those deals? Yeah. So we are, you know, we are definitely seeing a lot of opportunities just from different, um, you know, third party, you know, brokers or, you know, different investment bankers that are trying to sell loans for, you know, you know various financial institutions, if it's banks or CMBS um, lenders or CLOs and so forth. Um, it seems like we're having the most success where we're just buying stuff direct, you know, through relationships that we have with various financial institutions. Um, so we've, you know, closed on um, 27 loans from different, you know, banks that we had, you know, relationships with um, pre, you know, pre-COVID. Um, and then we, you know, purchased one loan from a, um, you know, from a mortgage, you know, public mortgage REIT that was selling, selling off some debt. And, you know, in both cases, uh, or in all, you know, in all those cases, we, we bought it where we bought it really direct. And it wasn't through a, you know, a heavily marketed type process. Um, we are betting on a lot of stuff through the different, you know, marketing processes that are taking place, like on, you know, DebtX, um, which is a, you know, platform that a lot of groups use to sell, you know, a lot of banks and so forth use to sell loans. Um, just a lot of the loans that we're seeing going, you know, that go to DebtX, you know, unfortunately, you know, at this point, a lot of the ones that we bid on have not traded or, you know, they've traded at pricing that was, you know, uh, maybe above where we were, or just, or maybe we just weren't that interested in those credits. So uh, I, I got a three more questions on the notes. So one, are you getting big discounts on the notes or is there too much capital chasing it that it's really only margins? Yeah, it's a great question. So I feel like we're not getting a, a big enough discount. So I'm never happy okay. with, the, <laughs> with the discount we're getting, but in most cases you're finding, um, you know, across what we've seen on the trades that have occurred, the notes that we've acquired, as well as notes that, um, that we've seen other groups acquire. It seems like everything's trading with, you know, on the, you know, I would say on the low side discount wise, we've seen some stuff trade where, you know, it's been pretty much no discount and to, you know, upwards of, you know, about a 40% discount um, to the unpaid principal balance. Um, so these are discounts on the, you know, unpaid principal balance. In most cases, I would say the majority of the stuff that we've acquired has been, um, you know, most of the stuff in that 10 to, you know, 25% type range. And, and I think that's sort of where the market is in most cases where, you know, as you look at loans, you know, trading today, you know, in most cases it's, you know, in the 25% range versus like the last cycle, like in 2000, you know, 2010, 11, and 12, we were very active on buying debt. You know, we yeah. bought, you know, over, you know, 40 first mortgage loans 
um, in the last cycle during the Great Recession. And in most cases, our discounts were probably um, 30 to 40 percent, in some cases even greater, uh, compared to the discounts we're getting this time around. But you know, part of the reason is, in most cases, the leverage points this cycle compared to last cycle have been um, you know, greatly reduced you know, this cycle. Most loans were only leveraged maybe 50 to 70% as a loan to value or a loan to cost you know, versus last cycle um, back in you know, 2005 to 2007. It, was, it wasn't uncommon that banks were financing projects at 70 to 85 or even 90% of total costs um, in a lot of cases. And hence, you, had a, you, know, you needed a bigger discount to you know, support some of those trades. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. I forgot that last time they were at 80, 90% LTV and now we're 65, 70. So our industry, yep. and our banking industry specifically is in a much better place. Exactly. Um, and you and, and a good point. You guys kind of got started in the last recession through the note purchases. So you guys are very at home doing this. Yeah, we or go ahead, take start. I think it's an important, sorry to keep rambling. I think it's an important note because everybody thinks, oh yeah, I just want to buy a note, especially if I can buy a 65% node at a discount. Oh, I love my basis. But let's make sure we're clear. You don't own the real estate. You own the note. There's still the owner of the real estate that owns it, and you get to work with them. So maybe I should ask what your plan going forward. Is it, and, and I know it depends on the borrower, but hey, are we trying to take the keys? Or are you trying to just do a, get paid off? Uh, and there's a nice uh, underwriting in the payoff as well. Yeah. So our, you know, our strategy when we buy loans, um, no differently than we, because we, you know, as a company, we actually, you know, do a lot of direct lending as well. Uh, but in both cases, you know, we're buying loans with the idea that we want to, you know, restructure and step in and, you know, be the lender. Um, so we really want to, you know, clip, you know, really clip the interest payments and have the borrower, you know, make their payments. Um, if for some reason, you know, the borrower is unable to, you know, honor the agreements or, you know, unable to make payments or come to terms on a restructure that makes sense, then you know, no differently than any other financial institution, then you know, we'll be forced to go a different direction. But it, I would say, you know, when you look at what we did last cycle, you know, 95% of the time we were able to, you know, step in and do a loan restructure. And, you know, with the borrowers as we bought loans, or, you know, we didn't even have to restructure the loans last time in some cases where, you know, borrowers just continue to make payments. Um, my gut take is it's going to be very similar this time where, you know, our strategy is really, um, to work with hotel owners um, or, you know, anytime we're buying notes, if it's a hotel owner or some other use, because um, sometimes we do buy some non-hotel assets. In both cases, you know, our goal is to try to work, you know, with that borrower and, you know, stable, you know, get to a stable situation and hopefully get, you know, paid off at some point in the, um, you know, in the near future. Do you have any concern about getting paid off? What's the risk of getting paid off in the future? Well, I mean, it's the risk of getting paid off. I mean, it's really, for us, it's not a, I mean, we hope we get paid off, right? So, it, you know, from a standpoint of the, the risk of not getting paid off, and, you know, that's probably the, you know, the bigger concern, you know, when buying loans, because, you know, you do run the risk that, you know, the loan matures out. And some of the loans we've acquired recently already had maturity dates that have already, you know, have already occurred. And, you know, we're in a position where, you know, as the maturity date, hits um, if the borrowers you know willing and is committed to the asset in most cases we're able to you know work with them and extend out those loans uh, but eventually we want them to be able to you know refinance and pay us off through getting you know maybe a permanent loan or getting you know debt from some other group of you know, financial institution 
So go to the Stonehill side. On the debt side, what do you guys, as a lender, put your lender hat on? What, give me your terms. Uh, if I wanted a loan today from Stonehill, and how many people are taking that loan today? Yeah. So, you know, on the Stonehill side, you know, we are um, we are actively lending. So we're doing a lot of, you know, we're working on a lot of first mortgage loans for, you know, refinances. Um, so we are, you know, active in that space. It's, uh, you know, and I feel like, you know, we have a lot of different opportunities to provide, you know, debt in that regard. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's one of these situations today where, you know, we want to be somewhat selective on the, the new loans that we are originating. So we are being you know, cautious and the ones that, you know, the assets that we are financing. And in most cases, I would say, you know, we're even having, you know, borrowers just given the fact that, you know, cash flows are going to be questionable for the next, you know, six to nine months, you know, given COVID. In most cases, we're, you know, requiring people to, you know, put up interest reserves and so forth as we are, you know, closing on loans. Let's talk to you as the lender with your existing borrowers. Are you uh, are you asking them for pay downs? Are you asking them to uh, pay you out for a year? Are you giving them forbearance? What have you been doing with as a borrower with your lenders? Yeah, so I mean, we've been you know each situation is unique you know because not all markets are equal as we all know in the hotel space. So you know for the most part, everyone is in a very challenging situation, but you do have some you know green shoots out there, you know, certain sub markets are doing better than others. Um, so, you know, in some cases, you know, we are, you know, still working through some of the you know, challenging markets where we have given, um, you know, some level, you know, debt deferment, which in a lot of cases have been, you know, in regards to principal, you know, principal payments, um, as well as principal and interest early on, we did um, a lot of, you know, for the first, I would say the first 90 days of COVID, um, we gave, you know, you know, the majority of our hotel borrowers, some level of debt deferment. And even after the first 90 days, we've continued to give, you know, some level of our borrowers, you know, debt deferment up until, you know, the end of the um, third quarter. Um, but in most cases, I would say we've, you know, gone the direction where we've, you know, had a lot of our borrowers, you know, put up um, additional capital in the form of interest reserves or whatever the case is, um, or start making, you know, interest payments and so forth you know, just to show that, you know, they're committed, you know, to their assets. So we've sort of mimicked what most, you know, what you find most regulated banks have moved towards as well as, um, you know, even, you know, the, uh, you know, a lot of the mortgage REITs and, you know, the CLOs and so forth, what they're um, sort of requiring at this point. Um, whereas, you know, when you look at like the CMBS market, for instance, in most cases, they were unable to do anything, you know, provide any relief other than allowing you to use your reserve accounts or whatever. But we're, but this, it's fun that the theories we're hearing is that yes, the CMBS lenders, there's no one there. They've gotten a bad rap. They couldn't give you any forbearance or any, anything. But the good news is the CMBS people aren't there. So they're not calling you today for a pay down and a, and a interest reserve and other kinds of money out of your pocket that the balance sheet traditional lenders are calling and asking for. So the CMBS guys, ironically today, seem to be a little more lenient than the balance sheet guys. And I wonder where a debt fund fits in if you're in the middle or if you, you have the most flexibility out of all of them. So just curious where your head is and how you're working with people. Yeah. I mean, we're probably closer to the balance sheet lenders. I believe it. You know, just, yep. So, you know, we're probably closer to the balance sheet lenders on how they behave. The CMBS side though, you know, in a lot of cases you're still, although they're not doing anything right now. I mean, I, I do worry, you know, if you do have a CMBS loan and you're, 
you know, dealing through, you know, and running through your, you know, your FF and E reserves, you're really just replacing one issue for another issue. And at some point, you know, you know that they're going to sort of flip on how they're behaving as well. So, I mean, I think there is some challenges there on the CMBS side, fortunately within our, you know, within our equity investments, because we have, you know, over 50 hotels that we own, you know, through our different investment vehicles. And, you know, we only have, I think, you know, six CMBS loans on six different hotel assets. And, you know, we've been, you know, unable to get much relief, you know, other than maybe utilizing some of our FF&E reserve accounts if we choose to, um, which, you know, to me is not the most, you know, beneficial, you know, beneficial necessarily from a long-term perspective, because again, you're just trading, you know, you're, you're solving one issue today for another issue down the road because you need those FF and E reserves for renovations or whatever at a later date. So, all right, so let's go. I like this. Let's talk the equity side, right? Through Petrie. So, you, you own 50 assets and are your lenders working with you? Or you? Right now, it sounds like you're happier with the balance sheet lenders than you are the CMBS people. But are you going to hang on to all of them? Are you going to have to hand keys back? I mean, holding 50 assets, I don't know what your break even point is uh, on your portfolio, but give me some insight there. Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, fortunately, I would say across our portfolio today, we're running on the equity side, we're running about 50% occupancy. So we are at a, you know, occupancy point where in most cases we're, you know, not only covering operating costs, but, you know, we're covering a good bit of the interest expense, if not all of it. Um, So we're, you know, we're in a position now for most of our assets where, you know, we are, um, you know, we're, we're able to, without us, you know, supporting these assets corporately um, or even, you know, through um, capital at the fund level, in a lot of cases, we're able to support the assets just by, you know, what, how they're performing right now. Um, so we feel, you know, very good, you know, across, you know, most of our assets. There are some assets that continue to struggle just because they're in the, you know, they're in a, maybe a downtown urban type location or, you know, they're next to an airport. Um, and those markets tend to be a lot softer, as you can imagine, as you probably have seen. Um, those markets are a lot softer today, and those hotels continue to struggle and continue to, you know, at best, you know, cover operating costs, or in some cases, they're still even, you know, negative on some of the operating costs. So it's um, it's definitely, you know, not all markets are equal in that regard. But ultimately, to you know, to really answer your question, we expect that we'll be able to you know, hang on to pretty much all our assets, you know, we may end up, um, you know, selling some assets and we've considered, you know, looking at selling some assets here and there just because, you know, some of the pricing we're getting or hearing, you know, seems somewhat attractive, but, you know, we're not in a rush either to go sell assets if we can't you know, get pricing that makes sense, you know, for, for us, you know, um, both short and long-term. Um, so ultimately, you know, my gut take is we're going to, you know, with our legacy investments, so all the investments we made pre-COVID that we still, you know, are invested in today, you know, I do believe we'll end up, um, you know, maintaining all those assets, but it's going to take, um, it's probably going to end up, you know, we're going to be in this duration, you know, risk situation where we're going to be invested probably a lot longer than we originally anticipated or wanted to be invested in these assets. How much, so those, those are great points. How much do you think that the fact that you're a fund and have quote deep pockets certainly more compared to the individuals. How much do you think that your structure and the depth of your pockets will allow you to hang on, whereas an individual may not have that same ability? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, for us, I think it's very beneficial. So I think it 
it does allow us to have different, you know, layers of liquidity to sort of pull down, um, you know, if we need it in order to help support assets and we can, you know, um, cause you know, within, you know, anytime you have, you know, multiple investments that you've made in one, you know, vehicle or fund or whatever the case is, you, you know, you can always, you know, use some of the stronger assets to help support some of the weaker assets. And then we're, we're always maintaining certain liquidity, you know, above, um, you know, above the properties. So it, it's, I think for us, it is extremely beneficial. I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, COVID has been very disruptive to our industry and it's going to, I think it's going to force a lot of consolidation amongst, um, you know, across our industry. You know, when you look at hotel property management companies, I mean, I think we're just starting to see, you know, what's going to happen there from a consolidation perspective. But I think also with, within even hotel ownership groups, I think a lot of hotel owners are, you know, unfortunately going to be you know, forced to make decisions on selling, you know, over the next, you know, over between now and the next 12 months, um, just because, you know, even, you know, even once we get to a vaccine or a therapeutic, I mean, it's still going to take, um, you know, like the vaccine itself. I mean, at least everyone keeps talking about these different vaccines. And it seems like I think the consensus is it's not going to be in a mass, you know, productions, you know, position until probably the mid part of next year. And even when that occurs, it doesn't mean we're going to go back to, you know, 2018 or 19 levels. I mean, it's going to take time as most people can appreciate. And it's going to take, you know, in most cases, probably a good, you know, 24 months um, from that, you know, from getting that vaccine to get, you know, back or get closer to, you know, a 2019 type level. And, you know, during that time period, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people are going to face, you know, debt maturity issues, you know, renovation issues. Um, they're going to face, you know, just challenges with their existing lenders with, you know, covenant defaults and having to, you know, put up additional capital. And I think that's going to force, you know, a lot of transactions in the marketplace over the next, you know, over the next 12 months as, you know, different hotel owners think about it and that's going to help drive, you know, consolidation amongst, you know, hotel, hotel ownership groups and so forth as well. Yeah. I liked your consolidation thesis. Can you put a timeline to that? I mean, I know you say over the next 12 months, but you think it starts in January, you think it starts in April, you know, or is it not till next January? Yeah. I mean, personally, I think it starts, I think there's a lot of people sort of holding out waiting to see what happens, um, you know, with the election. So, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on how the election could um, sort of impact, you know, impact the recovery. Um, I, and I do believe the election will have some impact, you know, on the recovery, how it sort of takes shape. I think there's, you know, a lot of people are waiting to see if there is a, you know, because there's been you know, talk of a vaccine by the end of the year and seeing how that impacts, you know, the recovery and, and having a little bit more data points and having, you know, hopefully having a little bit more, visibility on how the recovery is going to take place. So I've, personally, I believe you're going to start seeing a lot more cells ramp up in the you know, first, you know, first quarter, second quarter next year is just my take. Um, I'd be curious to hear your opinion, T, because you're, you're looking at it from a different standpoint. And I'm looking at it just from the conversations, you know, we're having with different hotel groups that are you know, having to make hard decisions on, you know, when they're looking for, you know, maybe runway capital or they're looking to, um, you know, looking for capital at some level to refinance properties and so forth. Some of the conversations we're having, but you're having a lot more conversations in that regard. So I'd love to get your opinion there. We're, uh, we are starting to see, I will answer. We're starting to see the, the conversations are definitely picking up. Whereas before everyone's just been on a pause and we sort of all thought we'd get through this. 
Uh, and it's now obvious that we're not going to get through this as easily as we were hoping. So the dialogue is coming. We're taking assets out that are uh, testing waters. We're getting tons of reaction from anything that we have that's out there. Everybody wants to know what's happening. We still have a difficult bid-ask spread uh, right now, but, uh, but we're, we're getting some transactions done. They're all slow. They're all painful, but it's happening. Uh, we are seeing the wave in the servicers, the BOV requests, the valuation opinions picking up significantly, and we see that coming as a big wave. Uh, the kicker there, though, is we've all learned from history, that doesn't move quickly. Even though the wave comes, it doesn't convert from uh, a looking at it to a let's go to market. That takes a long time. So I, we all have been saying next year, but I think it might get kicked out further, not sooner in the year. I think it's going to get, get kicked out further. But we got to see. There's still a ton of capital that's out there, which is keeping prices high. People have money in their pocket, but is they, and they're kind of at a break even. But as that happens longer and longer and longer, I think the tough decisions start to come. But I think it's, I think the real tough decisions are more in the second half of next year instead of the first half. Just my opinion. Yep, and it's it's also you know the other factor, personally is you know typically in the winter months things start to slow down right. across our industry, and a lot of groups are you know in that break even point. You know as you know we mentioned across our portfolio, but you know a lot of other people are probably feeling somewhat good but then as the drop-off starts to occur and if there is this you know second wave or third wave whatever you want to call it that occurs COVID that everyone keeps talking about it's going to you know if you're watching CNBC like this morning I think um, Scott Gottlieb was talking about how it's going to you know start taking effect over the next week or so and if that's you know if that's the case um, I think that could help you know sort of expedite it as well as just pressures from lenders because I, I do believe the the banking side is going to, you know, regulated banks, you know, non-regulated financial institutions are all going to be having to force some level of, um, you know, capital to be injected to help sort of right size some of these assets, you know, just given the different covenants that exist, you know, across these different ones. So. Yeah, it's, it's a complicated world that we're living in. Uh, and I think only getting more and more complicated as we go along. Uh, all right, so you got. Let's talk the ironically the development side. You guys have got some construction projects going on, which I think is uh, very interesting. But tell me about those, and do you think they're going to uh, open up on time? And when they do open up, are they going to ramp up nicely? And what's happened with construction costs? Yeah, so it's uh, you know we're starting to see some softening of construction costs. Um, we haven't seen you know this you know everyone believes going in the first quarter of next year you're going to see at least towards the end of the first quarter of next year you'll see you know, a pretty decent drop off in construction costs. So we haven't fully seen um, you know, this huge drop in construction costs. I mean, I think we're seeing maybe a couple of points here or there on you know, different projects that we're trying to price out right now. And we're sort of making the decisions, do we start construction now or do we wait you know, until you know, sometime next year? So we've got, you know, currently we have you know, close to about a dozen different projects that are in different stages of construction that are either you know, under construction, um, you know, that were already under construction pre-COVID. Um, some projects, you know, we actually broke ground, you know, like for instance, you know, after COVID, you know, we have like a home with suites that we're building um, right next to, you know, University of Louisville that we're just starting construction on. Um, and then we have, you know, we have several projects that we're anticipating starting construction um, either, you know, later this year, probably most likely first quarter next year as we wait and see what happens on, you know, construction pricing. Um, but it's, 
you know, we are still, you know, committed to developing hotels. And we think, you know, although there's a lot of noise with COVID, you know, there's still, you know, some markets we believe that, um, you know, in the short term, it may have the impact of COVID, but long term, you know, we're bullish on our industry and our space and that there's still, you know, demand, you know, for new hotels to be built in some of these submarkets. Give me some of those markets. Give me an example. Can't, I can't give you all the secrets, but, oh, um, <laughs> but no, personally, I mean, we love, obviously, the one thing we've learned this cycle is, or at least what's happened this down cycle through this COVID impact is, you know, we've all seen the leisure markets have held up well. Right. Um, so we, you know, we really love, you know, a lot of markets that are, you know, dominant or have a really high, um, right. you know, high pent up demand from, you know, leisure driven type, you know, occupancy. And, you know, a good example is, uh, you know, down, like we have a home with suites in Destin that's under construction. So we're, you know, very excited about that project and you know, we're very bullish on how that asset will perform after it opens, you know, even with the you know, COVID impact, you know, we believe that asset should you know, ramp up well. Um, you know, we're also very bullish just on, you know, extended stay hotels in general, because that's one thing that has been sort of, a, um, you know, sort of a shining star through this, you know, downturn is, you know, a lot of our extended stay hotels like our, you know, residence ends and homewoods, but, you know, more importantly, like our home twos, in most cases have held up really well. Some of our home twos are actually running, you know, pretty close to what they were running, you know, pre-COVID. So we've um, been, you know, really, um, you know, really happy to sort of see how those you know, assets have held up and you know, are still committed to even developing, you know, more of those kind of hotels. Uh, but I would say the, you know, the markets that were probably most bullish on short term is the leisure driven markets. And then, you know, long term, we're still bullish on markets that are, you know, you know, that hotels that are in these college towns also were bullish on markets like, you know, a lot of these you know, downtown CBD type locations, because we do believe you know, a lot of these markets are going to, you know, come back and, you know, over the next, you know, although it's going to be tough sledding over the next 24 months, long term, and when you're developing, you know, you're really looking three to five years down the road. So when we look out three to five years down the road, we believe, you know, these markets all should recover and come back. So you're, that answered my question. So you're not afraid of the CBDs. You're not rushing to the suburbs, maybe to a beachfront leisure and other drive to demand markets. I get that, but you're not afraid of CBD. Exactly. We're not, you know, and it's, it's one of these where I probably wouldn't be rushing to go develop in New York city today, just because, you know, New York's had so much press and it's sort of been the epicenter of this COVID impact. Um, and New York, you know, New York already had its own supply issues and a lot of that supply is now coming out. Uh, but there's other, you know, downtown CBD type locations where we still, you know, we still like those sub markets and we'll continue to, you know, look at them and we'll continue to develop in those kind of markets. Cause there is going to be, you know, I think, you know, COVID is not the um, death to travel. I think it's going to, you know, as I think the one thing we've all learned through this experience, people, there is a desire for people to get out and travel. And a lot of people can't wait until their company lifts, you know, the, um, the ban on travel or the restrictions on travel so they can get back out and travel and, you know, and do corporate travel and meet, you know, with different customers or meet with, and do, you know, training and development with different team members in different locations. And a lot of this has been restricted, obviously, because of COVID. So I'm really confident that, you know, travel will bounce back and it will be, you know, at higher levels than what we even experienced back in 2019. So you guys are still very bullish on our industry. All yep. in, both feet, let's go. Yeah, so we are extremely bullish. I mean, there's 
you know, clearly, you know, certain submarkets that are probably going to take, or certain, when I say submarkets, are probably certain asset types. It's probably a better way to say it that are going to take a little bit longer to recover than others. Um, but I think, you know, as we look at our space being really the select service, you know, limited service hotels for the most part, you know, we are very bullish on those assets being able to recover and continue to be a big part of, um, of you know, the consumers that, you know, want to travel and stay at hotels. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a final question. I mean, you guys, again, this has been great. Thank you, Greg. But you guys have your hand in everything. You've got the debt, you've got the equity, you've got construction, you've got management, you're a borrower, you're a lender. Uh, you guys are seeing the world, you're buying notes, you're working on buying assets. Uh, I don't know, give me some words, of wisdom, some words of wisdom moving forward. What's going to happen with our industry? What's going to happen with our people? What's going to happen with our economy? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, unfortunately, I think we're in this, you know, we've been through this COVID impact and this has been a true, you know, black swan event where, you know, no one really saw this coming. So it's, uh, you know, I think, you know, when you look back in 2019, you know, you could sort of see some of the choppiness just on performance of hotel assets. Um, but you weren't, you know, we were expecting it to be a soft landing. And we had, you know, we, you know, our gut take was there was going to be something, you know, some type of, you know, economic softness that was going to occur at some point. Um, we didn't expect, you know, COVID and we didn't expect it to be as severe as it's been, um, which I think is, you know, unfortunately for all of us right now, it's, you know, it's a very challenging time. I think as you look out into the future, though, because of you know what's happened over the last you know six months and what's going to continue to happen over the next six to nine months, I, I do think it bodes well for the recovery because I think you know you can look at you know the stimulus that's been put into the economy. You look at how the Fed's really backstopped everything, and that's part of the reason you know the Fed's commitment you know um, to really backstop this economy, you know, along with some of the stimulus has really driven the performance of the stock market. And so when, when you look at the public markets and how it's really behaving today, um, I think that really gives us, you know, optimism that there's going to be a, you know, V-shaped recovery, you know, as it relates to, you know, the current, you know, economic softness that's occurring, especially within lodging. So I, I do believe um, we have, you know, hope that there's going to be a V-shaped recovery on hotels. You know, unfortunately, it's not going to be overnight. But when we look down the road, um, you know, 36 months, 48 months from now, I'm really bullish on our industry because I don't think um, the demand for travel is necessarily going to, you know, disappear. And I think you've now had, you know, a lot of you know, new construction projects that have been shelved or delayed. You've had, you know, certain hotels that are going to leave and convert to other uses. Um, so I think overall, when you look at supply and demand, you know, 36 to 48 months from now, I'm very, you know, very bullish about where the industry is going to be headed and, and the ability, you know, for us to, you know, especially when you go through these downturns as an industry, every downturn, it seems like we've gotten better about being able to cut expenses. So when you come out of this kind of event, I think our industry is going to be more profitable and have, you know, better, you know, revenue um, execution on the top line side. So I think it's, you know, I think we're headed for better days is, is my opinion. I love it. I do agree that I think we've become better operators in this pandemic. I think we've been forced to. We might have been a little fat, dumb, and happy in the good days. Uh, and now we've been forced to cut and really roll up our sleeves. So with, yep. with that in mind, we should be better when we come out of this. All right, Greg, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for coming and joining me. This has been very insightful. Uh, you guys are a great group. You're very talented. Keep up the good work. Uh, let's go get a beer soon. Yeah, sounds great. Let's, let's definitely get together and look forward to – 
I look forward to y'all's conference next year. So we'll be there. Uh, we'll be there. Yeah, I'll definitely be there. So it's uh, I can't wait to get together with everybody in the industry. So really appreciate what you guys are doing and look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. See ya. Thanks. All right.